Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Solving a mystery involving a murder over a century old is at the core of James Lewis's new novel, Triple Double. I'm talking with James right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. James, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me. Corey, thank you very much. And it's, uh, this is exciting. It is. You've written an exciting novel. Can you tell me about it? You know, I, I get caught in the past and, and then also in the future. I had an opportunity to spend a few years up in the area of the book in the Northwest. And I like history. So the book deals with a, a train robbery back in the 1890s and a treasure of old gold coins that kind of slipped out of view from everyone until about 19... Well, probably the 80s or 90s, and then it was discovered. And that's the root of all of the action that takes place in this book. I think the, the, the money's helped promote these murders. You can, you can see where if you're dealing in millions of dollars in old coins, everybody's jealous of everybody and everyone wants a piece of that pie. Have you been published prior to this? No, I haven't. This was kind of uh, on a whim. It came from a couple of friends of mine sitting around and saying, well, why don't you do it when I told them the idea I had? And so that was born about two years ago. But in the meantime, I've got uh, four different other books in the works. One is already in editing and three more after that, including a novel. Well, that's fantastic. It sounds like you got bitten by the writer's bug and it's just not letting up. It's not letting up, no. And I... and. As in uh, COVID, I don't think there's any shot to fix it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good one to have. Yes. It's a lot of fun. It really is, Corey. Absolutely. I can tell, and I appreciate your passion, because often when you're passionate while writing this, that translates into the experience of the readers. So it's making me more excited to read this. I think the people in the Northwest, especially in Idaho, Montana, Washington, Oregon, I think they'll really appreciate it. Of course. It's a strong enough book followed by a second and third generation that will intrigue some people. But in the Northwest, I lived up there for those years, so I have a lot of real information involved in the, in the territory itself. Do you have any advice for some first-time authors looking to get that first book finished and get it published? Yes, I do. And that would be find a friend like Bob and Frank, friends that I have that keep pushing you and telling you you're a lazy bum Will you get it finished. <laughs> <laughs> Find some prodders, some good prodders. <laughs> oh, it's always good to have close support for your projects, especially on a writing project, because you tell that to a lot of people, even your close friends, and they say, ah, what are you doing? It's so much work. You're not going to make any money. Did you face that kind of thing? Yes, I did. Yeah. And uh, I still have that problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> But it is fun. It is. It really is fun. And, you know, I, I look forward to getting up in the morning now at five and six, where I used to stay in bed till later, being retired. I look forward to the first two hours of the morning with a cup of coffee and 
putting some thoughts into all five of the books that I now have going. It doesn't sound like writer's block is really a problem for you, is it? Not at all, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what wakes me up in the morning. It sounds like you just can't keep up with all the ideas coming in. I really can't. I never thought retirement would be so inspirational. Oh, well, thank you for putting all these ideas and passion and talent into enjoyment and fulfillment for our readers. So I encourage our listeners to check this out. This is called Triple Double by James Lewis, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Well, James, thank you for your time today. Thank you for chatting. I had a great time with you. Corey, thank you, and you're super. Thanks a lot. Children will see it's okay to be different in the new book by Tracy Stanaway called Jellybean Dean. I'd like to welcome Tracy to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Tracy, thank you for being here with me tonight. Can you tell me about Jellybean Dean? Well, I started writing Jellybean Dean on an airplane, and I finished it by the end of the flight. My mom had just passed away from Alzheimer's in September of 2019, and her nickname her whole life was Jelly Bean Dean. And I was just feeling, you know, pretty grief-stricken and wanted to do something kind of in honor of her. And I thought, maybe I should write a book. And, you know, the words just started flowing and the little characters came to life. And it was just pretty amazing writing it on a, an airplane. I didn't have any paper, so I wrote it on the notes section of my phone. I was going to ask if they happened to be serving jelly beans <laughs> on the flight. They were not. And it was very turbulent, and I don't like turbulence, and so I just kept writing on my phone. Is this the first time you've written a book or have been published? Yes, this is the first time I've written a book and the first time I've been published, obviously, so it was a pretty fun experience. Congratulations on getting your first one out there. Thank you. What's it feel like now to be a published author? Pretty fun. It's fun to read the book. I read it, you know, every once in a while, and it's been fun to sign it and send it to friends and family and everything like that. So it's been fun. And it was a great meaning behind the story, too. Absolutely. Did it take a long time to write the book and then get it illustrated and then off to publishing? Well, writing the book was like super fast for me because I wrote it from Billings to Minneapolis and then Minneapolis to San Diego. So It was about five hours on the airplane. And then the publishing part took a little longer, just getting it all edited perfectly and getting the little jelly bean characters to look like jelly bean people. And so it took a little while in that process. And then during the pandemic, with people working from home too, obviously took a little longer. Now that you've been through all of that, do you have any words of wisdom for aspiring authors? Well, I would say just... Get an idea in your head. If you have some idea floating in there, don't be afraid to write down all your thoughts and go from there because sometimes they'll just take on their own little life like my little jelly bean did. Are you writing more, working on maybe getting published again? You know, I am in the process getting another one published and it's called Jelly Bean Dean and the Bubble Machine. And it talks about little jelly beans fears as they're in school or fears that they've been afraid of all their life. And The first one talked about when the little jelly bean got wet, she lost all of her color. So she started out being this vibrant, beautiful blue jelly bean and turned into this kind of speckled, mottled mess of a jelly bean that people made fun of. And so there were different characters in the book that helped her along, and she came to realize that it's okay to be different. I assume you're not writing the next one on an airplane like you did the first. 
Is there anything different or more challenging this time around? <laughs> you know what? I ended up writing the second one on an airplane, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I travel back and forth from Montana to San Diego quite a bit because my twins live in San Diego. So, and when it gets too cold in Montana, I'm usually out of here for a couple of weeks and sit down enjoying the sunshine. But I haven't been able to do that during the pandemic. So I wrote it, gosh, like in March of last year, right before everything shut down in February. I did kind of write that one on the airplane too. <laughs> wow. So if I write another one, the pandemic's going to have to go away so that I can have longer. Amen. Well, thank you for putting a little more positivity out there for us. Now, children are going to love this book. You should check it out. This is called Jelly Bean Dean by Tracy Stanaway, published by Fulton Books. You'll be able to get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Tracy, thank you again for your time here this evening. It was great talking with you. You too. Have a great night. A boy and an elephant become pals, and they learn a lot about friendship. In the new book by Arthur Radoon, The Elephant Dream. I'm talking with Arthur right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Arthur, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's my pleasure. Can you tell me about The Elephant Dream? Well, it's uh, a story that I developed a long time ago when my daughter was small. She once asked me what she should dream about when I was putting her to bed, and I came up with the story of a little boy or any child having an elephant friend where that elephant liked them better than any other child in the neighborhood and let them ride on the elephant. And we ultimately called it the elephant dream, and later on, when she would ask me what she should dream about, I would always say, you know, dream about the elephant dream. Wow, it's really special. It came from that interaction. Is this the first book you've written? Uh, yes, it is. Congratulations on getting that first one out there. How does it feel now knowing that this book's out there for everybody? Well, it feels good. I'm hoping that people buy it and read it because that's the whole point of it, right? And they get the same joy out of the story that I got out of it and my daughter got out of it. What age range would you say this is good for? Well, it's kind of, I would say, first grade to, you know, maybe preschool to uh, maybe second grade. That would be kind of where I think children would enjoy it. Though I think adults could enjoy it, too, you know, reading it to their children. That's what I love to hear. As a father myself, I like to try to enjoy the same thing that my children are enjoying. And when you write a book like this, then that makes it great for parents as well. Yeah, it has a little moral to the story. Not a huge one, but a little moral to the story that, you know, you make sacrifices for those you love, right? Which is the basic moral of the story. It's not all just goody-goody where, you know, it's the fun of being special, right? Also, there's the more you make sacrifices not for that friend. That's a great message. Now, having been through the publishing process and written a book, do you have advice that you would give to other authors that want to do the same thing? Well... I don't know if I have any real advice. I would say go for it is the main piece of advice. I just, you know, I wrote the book down. I passed it by my daughter to read, and my wife read it, and a few other people. I looked for a publisher. You know, I just went online to find a publisher and found one where it had good reviews from other authors that had used the publisher and sent them an email. Yeah, that's Fulton Books. They're a fantastic publisher. Now, is there more? Are you thinking about writing more books and getting published more? Well, 
I'm definitely thinking about it. I'll see how this book does. If it's, I say, if it breaks even, I will write another book. I think that even the Elephant Dream has two sequels in it. So, you know, I'm ready if the book does okay. Fantastic. I'd like to get you right in that next book. So I encourage listeners out there to give this one a shot. It sounds like it's going to be great for children as well as parents. This is The Elephant Dream by Arthur Radoon, published by Fulton Books. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Arthur, thank you again for being here. Sounds like this book is fantastic, and I had a great time talking with you tonight. And I thank you for all the help. Author Lily Roy teaches children the alphabet using the Bible in her new book, ABC Bible Book. I'm talking with Lily right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Lily, thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about the ABC Bible Book? Well, it's a very simple book, as you hear from the alphabet. It's just a book I've written for children to learn different words beginning with A to Z, just as if they're in school and they would say apple or cat, boy, whatever, with the different letters. I just thought of writing this book with characters and places from the Bible. Where did the inspiration or the idea for this come from? Well, to be honest, I've taught young children, preschoolers, kindergartners, first graders, and I know that's the time when you start teaching them how to sound letters and how to say words with these letters. That's why I, I did this. That's how the idea came to me, that I could give the children other words to think about instead of just the regular words that they hear every day, just to jog their minds along. About how long would you say it took you to write this? Well, it took me about a year writing it and then getting an illustrator. Yeah, so it took me about a year. Is this the first time you've been published or the first time you've written? Yeah, this is my first published <laughs> book. I wrote some little things but never bring it forth, but this one I really wanted to get it published. That's quite a milestone you've hit in life to get a published book out there. Yes. What kind of feelings did you have whenever you held that book in your hands for the first time? Oh, my gosh. It was very exciting. It was an awe-awe moment for me. It was like, oh, Lily, you did this. You will be able to inspire other people to do what they have in mind to do. And somebody else will be reading your work and learning something from it. and. You know, just having this enormous feeling that, yes, you have accomplished something and never give up whatever you are trying to do. Don't give up. Do you have plans to write more and pursue more publishing? Yes, I have plans to write more. <laughs> I have, yes, this is just the first of a few that I have in mind. You mentioned some advice that you would offer would be not to give up. Patience and endurance is key to writing. Is there anything else that you could say to aspiring authors that want to finish their book and they want to get it out there in stores? <laughs> I would say 
if that's your dream, because, you know, earlier in life, I wanted to write and I kept writing notes and doing things and it never matured. And then I started this again and was about to put it down. And I said, no, you know, let me just go through. So if you have something and you want to do it, just push through. Because at the end of the day, you never know who you might be helping. Somebody else will be inspired by your work. Well, the ABC Bible book sounds like a great resource to teach kids along in their reading and also teach them some important biblical principles. Yes, it can be used in Sunday school. It can be used in Sabbath school, even in youth group, in questioning, like you have question and answer. You know, you could use it for that purpose too. Also, I have some copies that I can autograph, put my autograph in and send to people. (laughs) This is ABC Bible Book by Lily Roy, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and pretty much everywhere else you shop for your books. Lily, thank you again for joining me here tonight. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Corey. Author T. John Matson uses old-school rhyme to explore the variety of obstacles he's faced throughout his life. In his new book, Observation of a Warrior Poet, T. John Tim is with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Tim, thank you for being here with me tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me about your book, Observations of a Warrior Poet? Well, it's a book of poetry that I decided to write much later on in my life, just uh, within the past few years. It started when I was homeless, and I just felt it was a a good outlet or way for me to express what I was going through uh, in that environment. Would you call yourself a writer? Have you written anything in the past? No. This is my very first shot at writing, so to speak. I mean, in the business world, I wrote a lot of business plans and memorandums and things like that, but nothing creative, so to speak. Well, that's a huge accomplishment, getting your first book published out there on shelves. What kind of feelings do you have about now being a published author? Definitely filled with a lot of pride and you know thankfulness that I was able to get it done. A lot of people I knew would probably didn't think it was, it was possible, but for me, I uh, kept at it. Some good fortune came my way to where I was able to do it. I'm just very, very thankful for it all the way around. One of the things that always surprised me is that most of the people I'd, I'd ever talked to when I came up with the title had never heard of the phrasing of warrior poet. I'd heard it many, many years ago that it was a phrase used in a very popular movie at the time. I don't know if you'd heard it before. No, interesting. Do you remember seeing the movie Braveheart? At the very end of the movie, when William Wallace has passed on, but narrating the, the very end, uh, and he talks about how the Scottish say they fought like warrior poets and won their freedom and blah, blah, blah. And that's where I heard it back in 1995. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. So would you call writing this a sort of therapeutic process for you? There were some aspects that were therapeutic, I think. I tried not to dwell entirely on the homelessness situation, but in some parts, yes, it was very, what's the other word I'm thinking of? Cathartic, I guess, in some ways to help me release some emotion there. Now you use old school rhyme in your poetry. Can you describe that? Well, it's just it's just something I, I felt comfortable with writing in terms of, I guess, if I had any kind of experience with poetry. To me, rhyme was something I felt was a little bit more memorable in certain phrases. And, and I, I just thought it took a, a certain approach. Maybe I thought it was, it, took a, it was more of a challenge to use rhyme in some ways to make it work, so to speak, to make it come together as a, 
in the formula of poetry, so to speak. The rhyme was a greater challenge. And I, I enjoy the way it kind of has a harmony to it that I enjoy. So do you see more of this down the road? Do you want to write more, get published again? Yes, I do. I'm actually, I've, I've written enough material. I've, I've written over 650 poems. I'll be in the process shortly of trying to pull in enough material for a second book, which hopefully I'll be able to get done by uh, next year as well. So I'm looking forward to that as well. <laughs> yes. Do you have any advice now for people who are looking to do the same thing? Yes, I would I would advise people to really look into the entire I was very unfamiliar with the publishing industry as a whole and as I looked more and more into it and basically kind of found out that there were virtually four different publishing avenues to go right now and they basically are in between true self-publishing versus going with a traditional publisher and then there's a couple in between that are kind of hybrid type organizations that would publish people with some assistance. So that was interesting to learn about because I'd sent some poetry to a manuscript to one publisher who loved it, blah, blah, blah. They thought they would want to publish it. And then their next sentence, they, they wanted like $8,000. So I got to learn about how the publishing business worked in terms of some of the uh, requirements that they have. It was very, very worthwhile knowledge to get kind of navigate that road to see which one would fit best for me. Yeah, that's some good advice. It's certainly worth your while to do your homework when you're out there looking for a publisher. And you did choose a good one. This is published by Fulton Books. It's called Observation of a Warrior Poet by T. John Matson. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Tim, thanks again for chatting with me tonight. I really appreciate you being here with me. Once again, thank you, Corey. Author B. Germaine Reynolds explores deep in her soul and uses poetry to move readers. In her new book, Songs I Sing, Germaine is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Germaine, thank you for joining me tonight. It's my pleasure and honor. So Songs I Sing is a collection of your poetry. Can you tell me about it? Well, I have a motto from childhood, keep a song in my heart. And so these are songs that console me, engage me, fill my mind constantly. And so I wanted to capture them for posterity, for my children and whoever else will dare to read them. And so that's what Songs I Sing is about, songs of all kinds, simple, silly, sensual, serious, and even some signature ones. Like there's one called Songs I Sing, my first book of poetry is Midnight Musings. So there's another one in there that's a signature song. And so that's what the book is about. Did you have a certain group of readers in mind when you wrote this? Well, anybody who likes practical poetry, I'm not a poet that is perhaps of the sort where one wonders exactly what one might be talking about or flights of fancy. But my poetry is quite practical. It talks about everyday things, events, and it seeks to do that in simpler terms. And so the target audience might be anybody who can follow poetry and finds some resonance with rhyme and with prose, and maybe more a middle-aged set. My children don't particularly go gaga about them, even though they're all of them first readers, because I make them read them <laughs> or listen to me recite them. So in terms of target audience, it would be anybody who likes simpler poetry. Have you been published before? Yes. A tiny coffee table book called Midnight Musings, and I did that uh, maybe 15 years ago. And when it comes to writing a book and 
getting it published, getting it out there. Would you have any words of wisdom for aspiring authors? Write, write, write. Document, document, document. Look back at them, read them again, improve them. They're always different, happier or or more serious or better ways of saying them that come to you. And so I'm constantly in that. When I got these actual hard copy books, I certainly took mine, autographed it for my husband and have been going through the book and then just making them better. So write, write, write and submit to contests, submit to any publishers that ask you, you know, invite you to submit. And certainly through all the rejections, I chose self-publishing and it's been a marvelous experience with Fulton Books to move me forward. Can you describe the feelings that you have when you hold that book in your hands for the first time and where it's actually real that, hey, I'm a published author? Joy. Absolute joy. Absolute joy. Gratitude. Extreme gratitude. There's nothing like something substantial of substance in your hand, solid in your hand that you can touch and feel. And to know that these are my words, these are my thoughts captured here for posterity is a joyous feeling. It is a total sense of accomplishment that, you know, a project is completed. I'm very, very thrilled that that it's here. Yes, writing tends to be as beneficial, if not more so, to the actual author, that is to the audience that they're reaching. Absolutely. It's cathartic. It's healing. Seeing things on paper that you were trying to figure through, you know, your head your experiences, and then it crystallizes. It It becomes real. It becomes clearer. This clarity that you have by seeing it on paper, by getting it out. Thank you for writing. This book is Songs I Sing by B. Germain Reynolds, published by Fulton Books. You can find this at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Germain, thank you for your time. It was great talking with you tonight. Thank you, Corey. Good evening. Il Viaggio, The Voyage from Venice to the Court of Elizabeth II and Beyond, is author Larry Taliaferro's exploration of his family origins. I'd like to welcome Larry to the show tonight. Larry, thank you for being here with me at the Reader House Author Roundtable. My pleasure. Your name has a very interesting origin, and that's what this book is about. Can you tell me about it? Well, it sure does. Actually, the name goes all the way back to Caesar's legions, way back in the uh, very low A.D. time. My family, as near as I can find them, emanate from Venice and that area. They were merchants. That actually comes into play later on in my book, too. A fellow by the name of Shakespeare claimed fame for a, a work called The Merchant of Venice, and my family got, at least in my story, gets involved with that. The very first person in my family that I could find is a person by the name of Bartolomeo Taliaferro, and his father, who had the same name, were merchants in and around Venice, and as a very young child, he was brought up to learn the business and kind of be involved with business and so forth. His father actually introduced him also to some of the other cultural aspects of living in that part of Italy. And the principal one was music. And he became a very great lover of music and playing. 
So that comes into play throughout his entire existence. It's almost an example for fathers to teach sons something of culture in addition to what something that they can do for a living. Uh, you've described yourself as a somewhat frustrated genealogist. How difficult <laughs> was this to dig everything up? It was totally frustrating because, frankly, there was very little involved with any of the normal places that you would go to find information about your family. I found little more than about maybe six to eight column inches written that covered from womb to tomb, so to speak. It told very little about him, per se. So that made my efforts turn directly into being a work of fiction because outside of having that storyline that they kind of outlined in those few inches, I knew none of the details. And although my wife is a really great genealogist and I am in awe of her uh, ability, I am more one who is interested in the story. And so that's what I did is I went and looked at history of Europe and I said, well, what can I do to make an interesting story for this fellow who just simply went from Venice to London and got a job? Okay. So that's pretty much what my whole book is about, the different episodes and adventures that he ran into. I think it makes for a pretty good read. There's a lot of very fascinating people that are part of my family now, They're part of my story, certainly. That certainly says a lot, I think, for your creativity, being able to take <laughs> basically a situation and a period in history and then just growing a story. Well, that's, that's what I had to do in order to make this fly, as it were. I, I would love to know more about this fellow. He had an interesting life that I gave him. This is Il Viaggio, The Voyage from Venice to the Court of Elizabeth II and Beyond, by Larry Taliaferro, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Larry, thank you for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time learning about your name and your family and what may very well have happened. <laughs> I had a great time talking. Thanks again. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you. Mankind Faces Divine Destruction in the new novel by Leanne M. Kavanaugh, titled The New World, The Awakening. Leanne is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Leanne, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. The New World, The Awakening sounds like a pretty intense story. Can you tell me about it? Yes, it's about a goddess incarnate from an alternate reality who comes to this reality and hopes to save the world from God. God has lost all hope in humanity. He wants to destroy the world and start anew. Where did you get the idea for this story? I actually, back in 2011, around my birthday time, which is October, I started having dreams. And every night I would have a piece of this dream. And it took me three months to finish the entire dream. And once it was done, it was so dope to me that I had to just write it down. And this is the story that came from that dream. So I sense a deeper message here. God is so disgusted with humanity. Were you trying to say something along those lines? Pretty much. It, it doesn't get too detailed of why God wants to destroy the world, but that's the whole idea of it. And is this the first book you've written? Yes, this is the first novel I've written, and there's also a second novel to it. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations on getting that first one out there. That's often the toughest one. That's a big deal. It took me a few years. 
but I finally got it out there and I'm so excited about it. I'm getting good reviews on it. So I'm very excited. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations on all of that. How's it feel to actually hold your first book in your hands for the first time? Did reality set in for you? Yes, it took a couple of days. It had to sit with me because it took so long. The publishing process was very tiresome for me because I never went through anything like that before. And to finally have it in my hand, it just, it was, I felt accomplished, really. And you should. Now, going through all of that, it was a rigorous process. Do you have any advice for people who are about to embark on the same thing? Don't give up. That's the one thing, because it was sometimes where I'm like, oh, my goodness, don't give up. Keep going. If you need help, ask for help. Don't think you have to do it on your own just because you feel like you're doing it on your own. There's people out there that's supporting you, and you just don't know it yet. So can you tell me about your lead characters, maybe your protagonist in this book? It seems like she has quite a story ahead of her. Yes, she's an orphan, actually. Her She was raised by her grandmother, and her grandma passed when she was young. So then she has to move out of state with her adoptive parent and start all over. So, But she has the help of her twin soul, who guides her along the way to find her memory, because she lost her memory along the way. So to find her memory, to learn who she is, to be able to save the world. Now, what kind of a writer are you? Do you know where things are going, how things are going to end, or are you just exploring as you go? Well, um, before I like to even start writing, I like to have the story already in my head from start to finish. So it take, before I would write anything down, it takes me a couple of weeks to get the story set in my mind. And then once it's set in my mind, then I'll start writing. It was so intriguing to me that I had to start writing before I finished the story in my mind. So I'm actually in that process. Well, I encourage listeners to check this out. It's going to be quite an adventure. This is called The New World, The Awakening by Leanne M. Cavanaugh, published by Fulton Books. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much wherever you usually buy your books. Leanne, thank you again for your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. I had a great time meeting you and talking about your book. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Answers from Scripture is the new book by Dan Pastor Steele that draws teachings from the King James Bible. I'm talking with Dan right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dan, thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome, and thank you for the call. Absolutely. Thank you for talking with me. Answers from Scripture Can you tell me about it? Yeah, I've compiled teachings based on actual scriptural content, rather than bow to conventional beliefs and traditions proposed by many churches today. I rely on the actual biblical writings within the King James Bible. I've provided answers from Scripture regarding questions pertaining to over 180 topics, and the book is great for reference material as a study guide. When you were writing this, did you have a target readership in mind? Yeah, I was thinking mainly about people that are interested in Scripture but don't have any reference. I'd like to pull people in that have questions and try to provide some answers and maybe give them the initiative to search out Scripture more for themselves. So this would be almost more for a seeker as opposed to somebody who goes to church who has a background in Christianity. Well, not necessarily, because there are a lot of traditions that are traditions and beliefs proposed by many churches today don't follow the actual scriptural writings. 
Now you take your scripture from the King James Bible. What's your thinking in using that version? Well, the earliest translation back in 1611 was written in Old English. And a lot of people can't understand a lot of the phrasing. So I chose to use an updated version, which has more of a, shall we say, modern translation. About how long were you working on this book? A little over six years. I can imagine it took a lot of research just delving into the scripture itself. And was there a lot of outside research that went into this as well? Well, I consulted writings of biblical scholars, and I also have an extensive concordance that can direct me to different words, different topics, such as a Strong's Concordance will show you where every word in the Bible is, what verses they're placed in. I tried to take it one step further and find that word, say like baptism, what does the Bible say about baptism? So I could go to the different verses that, are, that explain baptism in Scripture and put those verses in my book so that people would have a reference. So was there anything in particular that persuaded you or inspired you to write this book and get it published at this point in time? Yeah, it was my youngest daughter. She would call me and ask, Dad, what does the Bible say about and then whatever subject? And after researching the topic, I would answer her with a phone call in the next few days. And one day she said, Dad, you ought to put these lessons in a book. And I thought, well, okay. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for the hard work. Thank you for putting this out there. The book is Answers from Scripture by Dan Pastor Steele, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you get your reading material. Dan, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time finding out about answers from Scripture and chatting with you. Thank you, Corey. Some people say that the only thing you can expect in life is the unexpected. That's at the center of the new book by Karsten Colbert, titled, That Was Unexpected. I'd like to welcome Karsten to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Karsten, thank you for being here with me tonight. It's great to be here. You've said this is an unexpected book. Can you tell me about it? Yes, the book itself is, is, is unexpected because I didn't expect myself to have published it. I didn't expect myself to be sitting here talking to you right now. But it's a short work of some of the poems that I've been writing myself. Whenever something comes to me, I write it down. And it's always the, the beauty of, of the words themselves. And I just when, I, when it comes to me, I write it down. From conversations that I have with people, I write it down. And a lot of people were like, well, you have so much stuff written why not share it with everyone else? So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should. So that's what this is. This is a short little bit of some of the stuff that I actually that I've written. Well, thank you for putting yourself out there. That's a huge step. A lot of people just can't get past that. Kudos to you for doing that. About how long were you writing these poems before you collected them into this work? Well, actually, I, I started I started writing. Uh, ever since I was in high school. When I was in high school, I was introduced to Edgar Allan Poe. And then immediately I, I fell in love with, with poetry and, and writing in general. And I just started, I started writing then. So some of the, matter of fact, there's three to be exact that I wrote when I was in high school. And along the way, I just gathered more throughout, throughout time. So it's since high school, really. I'm, I'm 36 now. So since 2003. <laughs> so I've been writing since then. So. <laughs> so this poetry covers basically half of your life. Yes. Have you seen change, uh, like a progression? Yes, actually, me and my father, after it came out, I took him a copy, and we were we were discussing that, and 
And he was asking me, did I, where did I expect myself to be? And I was like, well, everything I expected myself to be in which in, in some of the poems you, you can pretty much see, like I thought I was going to be in one place, but then something curved and I ended up in another place. At this point now, I, I, I know for a fact that, <laughs> that the, the growth I can see throughout my work as, as I look at my older work or my, my older writing and I look at it now, I'm like, oh, wow. I just, I, that's how I used to think. And now this is how I think now. So I can see the growth in there. How did it feel after you got this published? Now it's out there at Barnes & Noble. It's out there on Amazon. Lots of people are reading it. What kind of feeling does that give you? Oddly enough, when my son was born, the feeling that I got when my son was born was the feeling I had when I, when I first unwrapped it. It was like, oh, I just did this. This is out here in the world. This is like my baby. This is my child that I'm sharing with the world. And it's like, what if they don't like it? Or what, what if it's not up to par? Or now I'm second guessing myself. But maybe I should second guess myself. Or maybe I shouldn't. And, and again, that goes, that goes along with the title that it was all unexpected. But it was a lot of feelings that rushed in when I did it. it was like, but I'm like, at this point now, I'm out there. Here I am. So I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called That Was Unexpected by Karsten Colbert, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you would buy your books. Well, Karsten, thank you for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you for having me. A woman struggles to overcome childhood trauma and the destructive life that it led to in the new book, Gwen. I'm joined by the author, E.D. Lippert, now. Beth, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about what Gwen has to offer? Gwen is about a very troubled woman, as you mentioned. Uh, she suffered some bullying as a child. She never really felt truly loved. And she then suffered a horrendous loss as an adult. And so the, the story is about how those factors in her life manifested themselves in her behavior. Ultimately, I see it as a struggle, an individual struggle between good and evil. She, she wants to be a good person, but she's just got that anger and dysfunction inside of her that, that makes her do some very evil things. Could you tell me the story behind the book? How did you get the idea, and then how did it grow into what it is now? Wow. Um, I had the idea about 30 years ago when I was waiting in line at a bank, and just kind of my imagination was running, you know, well, you know, what happens if there's a robbery, and what happens if the teller decides to face the bank robber rather than just complying? And it just kind of went from there in my mind over that period of time as I was raising my children. You know, every once in a while, I would sit down and think about it, and I ended up with Gwen. How much of a personal element did you weave into the story? Are there things in your past or things that other people around you have experienced in the past that led to this? Yeah, without uh, giving too much away, there was somebody very close to me that died in the same manner as a character in the book. And so Gwen's reaction to that and some of the things that she did after that, I can understand it. I can understand those feelings that she had. So, yeah, I did rely on those emotions uh, to a certain extent, definitely. Have you written before, or is this the first time you've been published? This is the first time I've been published. Wow, congratulations. How's it feel Thank to have you. that first one up there on shelves? It's pretty cool. I got to tell you, when, when, the, <laughs> when the first box of books came, it was, it was pretty neat to pull that first one out of the box and hold it in my hands. Are you going to continue? Is there more writing ahead of you? 
I am. I'm about maybe halfway through my second book. I'm hoping to finish it next year. A little bit different, still kind of a psychological thriller type, but a little bit different. So about halfway through. You know, I never thought of myself as somebody who had a, a really good imagination. But as it turns out, I, I do. I just have to let it go. It's a muscle, just like the muscles yeah. in your body. If you don't exercise it, it gets smaller. It atrophies. But the more you use it, it might be weak at first, but it's going to get stronger over time. Very true. So do you have any final words that you'd like our listeners to know about Gwen? Please give her a chance. You're going to find as you read, there's going to be times when you just love her and your heart breaks for her. And there are going to be other times when you're just repelled by her. But give her a chance. Go the whole, you know, take her through the whole story. And you're going to find that you can't always judge people by a certain act. You've got to look at their whole life before you make any judgments on anybody. We never really know what people have been through. And this, I think, Gwen's story is a stark reminder of that. Sounds to me like Gwen is going to be a really interesting character because you've built so much dimension into her. I mean, she's real. We all have the good. We all have the bad. We're all not just superhero good guys all the time or evil villains all the time. There's so much mix. Yeah, that's the truth. And I, I, I think Gwen, like you said, I think she's real. To me, she's real. I got to tell you, when I wrote the end, the last chapter of that book, I cried. So I'm hoping the readers do the same. Thank you for putting yourself out onto the page and telling this story. It's called Gwen by E.D. Lippert, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere you shop for your books. Well, Beth, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it as well. Take care. Author Randy Krinsky explores a family's rich legacy over the centuries in his new book, Uncertain Destiny, Stories and Memories of One Family's Journey in South Texas. Randy's joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Randy, thank you for talking with me tonight. Oh, my pleasure, Corey. Looking forward to it. Uncertain Destiny seems to cover a lot of ground. Can you tell me about it? Sure, sure. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a huge story. So, I mean, I had to condense it down into the, somewhat of a readable small chunks here. So it's basically the story of my family. From the time we first came to this country, to Texas, which was New Spain at the time, it's the story of us, why we came, what we did when we were here, talks about, you know, the trials and tribulations and the, and the quirky events and the things that we did, the legacy going down through fighting in the Texas Revolution to fighting with the Indians, Native Americans, on down to making a new life for ourselves in South Texas, whether it be San Antonio or further south when we went to um, Rockport, Texas on the coast. I can only imagine the amount of research that had to go into this to go back centuries. Was that intense? Very intense. It took quite a lot of time, uh, quite a lot of money, quite a lot of traveling. I was lucky. I had some great help. I had some research assistance. My mother, actually, when she retired, she got heavily into genealogy. And she was the impetus for me even starting this because she did a lot of the lead work herself in her in her retirement. She started traveling to these conferences, genealogy conferences and learning. And she brought it to me, actually, somewhat bare bones saying, hey, you know, if you're looking for something to, to write about, why don't you take a look at this? Did you know about this? Did you know about this? Did you see that who we're related to? And I looked at these things. I was like, wow, this is there's something here. So it was fun uh, delving into that and 
pulling out documents and visiting the university archives and trying to find old maps of homesteads and old letters. And it was definitely a journey and it was definitely in-depth and it took about five years, I think, altogether to get it all together. And you are fortunate that you did have some support with you. You had some people willing to put in some of that work and dig with you as you were looking to unearth the story. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't have done it. In my acknowledgments, I definitely had to give props, as it were, because I couldn't have done it alone. This was definitely a group effort. My name's on the book, but I couldn't have done it without them. No way. No way. Do you have any plans to continue writing? My line of thinking here would, would be that you've published such an enormous work that anything after this should really seem easy. (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah, it should, it should seem easy. I, I've been, I've been, I got a few different things, directions I can go. Since I did have to condense down the story, some people want me to continue on the same family journey, elaborate even more, maybe make a, a second edition with different other stories and updated information because I'm still learning all the time. I'm still in contact with people and I'm still finding out new things about the family. So that's one way. Another project, uh, I have a lot of people petitioning me to work on the other half of my family from Europe. That's going to be harder because my family came over uh, around the turn of the century, not this turn of the century, but earlier one, around 1899 or so. So that'll be a little bit harder. I don't know. It's definitely a question that that I have to sit down and ask myself, what's next and and what do I want to do now? Well, Randy, thank you for all your hard work and dedication to produce such a great work here. I encourage listeners to check this out. It's called Uncertain Destiny, Stories and Memories of One Family's Journey in South Texas by Randy Krinsky. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for books. Randy, thanks again for coming on the show today. I had a great time finding out more about you and the book. It was great, Corey. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.